So now we go to Stockholm. Um, oddly enough, or funnily, funny enough, um, we were actually really lucky to get out of London. Uh, the, the record temperatures were shutting down transportation systems, including flights in and out of London, because the tarmac was so hot, planes couldn't land or take off, which we didn't know about until we landed in Stockholm and the pilot said something. So, And it was an issue before that in the tube yeah, in London. A lot of their underground and overground railways are, were closed for the day because they couldn't operate properly. We briefly mentioned in a previous episode the second hottest day in UK history, but we didn't mention how hot it actually was. And it was 38, 39 degrees Celsius, which would be about 100, 101, 102 Fahrenheit. So we've dealt with hotter here, but the humidity on top of that was pretty gnarly. In the tube specifically, though, it was 45 degrees Celsius, which in turn would be about 113 degrees Fahrenheit. I was in the tube for a minute going back and forth from the tower and things while y'all were at Harry Potter. And uh, it was excruciating, to be honest. Just It's just stale air, you know? Yeah. It was pretty gnarly. I was literally dripping sweat on the floor of the tube. And the locals were looking at me like, who is this guy? Anyway, that was uh, was a different experience. But you're right. Um, It was a pretty tumultuous time in general for London because they're not used to that. And uh, yes, travels were almost uh, almost effective to us, but luckily we yeah we, we got out. out. So we when we flew into London, we flew into Heathrow, but going out of London, we actually threw out of, flew out of Gatwick. And was it Gatwick? We saw the pilots dancing out front. Yes, it was awesome. It was adorable. Um, so Gatwick is a lot like a shopping mall, which was an interesting experience. We had about two hours, so we had lunch inside this gigantic mall type. Arena. We actually ate at Jamie Oliver's restaurant. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Jamie Oliver is, he is the Naked Chef. Naked Chef. He is uh, pretty well known for wanting to clean up the quality of our food, the way it's produced, um, and just in general increasing the health of people through whole foods. So he's incredible. He's a big inspiration to me. He did a, a documentary years ago about uh, the public school system food service and he picked out the at the time um the most obese city in america which is in west virginia and he went into one of the public schools there and talked to the lunch uh cafeteria personnel and the principal and the community there, trying to change um how they did their food there uh and it was a pretty intense documentary honestly yeah it was what the kids had the education on fruits and vegetables and what they feed the kids generally and um it's really no surprise that they are so unhealthy uh, and overweight because of what they eat. It's real simple. Yeah. Um, so anyway, J- Jamie Oliver is a big inspiration, but it was cool to eat at his restaurant there yeah, for breakfast. He's got good food. Um, so that's that's how we spent our morning. We got through security, got into Stockholm, went through customs, and that's actually an interesting thing to touch on too, um, which we'll probably cover more in our our highlights and and recap episode. But um, we spent most of the time going through customs, wondering if we were actually doing it right because. Um, getting into London at Heathrow, we literally just scanned our passports into a machine and they let us through. We didn't even have to talk to anybody. Um, And getting into Stockholm was similar. We did have to talk to somebody who asked why we were there, but it was like a happy, jovial, what brings you to Stockholm conversation. And then they just kind of took kind of let us walk on through. I think we were expecting a little bit more than that. I was mentioning that I didn't even have to take off my shoes. Yeah. And I've, I've had this terrible, unfortunate record uh, flying for the last 10 years of my life where 
I'm the person in line at airports that gets pulled out for extra security Every checks. single time. And uh, years ago, Soul Seed was touring over to Hawaii, and I made a joke to the guys as we were entering the airport that this might take longer than usual because I'm going to get pulled out of line. And I was just kind of tongue-in-cheek, and sure enough, it happened. Um, thankfully, that didn't happen this time, and uh, really, they had no, no reason to pull people out of line. So it was very... Um, cordial and easy. And you're right. We were in and out of, of, uh, of security and things very quickly. Didn't even have to take off my shoes, which I just thought was so funny yeah. because in America it's so paranoid. It was actually the hardest part of transportation and travel at the whole trip was getting through security in the Portland airport and then coming home and getting through customs in the United States, which is a story for another time. But we got to Stockholm. Uh, the first thing you see when you get off the plane is a water fountain that talks about how clean and delicious their water is. Um, Which and is true. It's amazingly true. Uh, that was like a big highlight for all of us. I think um, we were tired of buying bottled water and we were uh, dehydrated and ready for good water. So um, it was awesome. And, and especially coming out of London, uh, not to knock London too much, but it just, it was, it was tough to, to drink the local tap water. I think and we being, realized how spoiled we are over here. It's really what it's more about. I was just going to say, in Eugene, we are spoiled and there is chlorine in the water that you can smell when you're away from it. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, it is uh, clean in comparison. So I'm used to just going to the tap um, and we weren't able to do that. So it was nice to be back uh, in Stockholm where it was very clean and uh, accessible. So it was nice. Yeah. Um, quick note about the flight over there. Norwegian Airlines was nice. It was just a two hour flight. But we were actually stuck on the uh, mat for about almost like 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and basically, we, there was just some delays again with the heat and things like that. So we were waiting a little bit longer than we expected. But we arrive in Stockholm at 520 local time, which is a bit later than we had planned, uh, of course, again, with the delay in London heading out. But the weather was perfect stepping off of the plane. It was very sunny. It was about 80 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, we took a taxi from um, Orlando airport and um we ended up at the we wrong place we typed in like the right address i think yeah I we don't... told we told our driver the <laughs> right address but somehow we ended up like nine, a half a mile away yeah it was like nine blocks or something so we out. right off the bat got to explore some neighborhoods in stockholm by finding where we were really supposed to end up again thank you to the maps app on the iphone yeah, it was pretty mellow once we got there, but we didn't know we were at the wrong place for about 15 minutes. So we had a door code to get into our building and we kept punching it and punching it and punching it and looking through paperwork and trying to figure things out and very confused and frustrated. And uh, little eventually we find out that we're just literally not at the right place, Yeah, uh, which makes sense that the door code wouldn't work. So we ended up finding the right place, hiking up the hill about nine blocks. Like I said, we get to our uh, next um, flat and, uh, we get in no problem. And it was, a uh, another cute area there. Oh, it was, it was adorable. Really nice. We were, um, both in London and Stockholm, we were staying in the education district. So very close to universities. Um, and we didn't know this when we got to Stockholm at first, but there is about two weeks every summer where everybody essentially goes on holiday. All of the daycares and the schools close. Um, and, and so, we got there and there's nobody around. It's super quiet. And it was such a huge contrast from the constant bustle of, of London that um, it was kind of surreal. And, and also, um, you know, we come from one of two cities in the United States where 
bike lock companies won't insure your bikes or their locks because bike theft is such a huge issue. And walking around Stockholm, the first thing I noticed was that people will leave their bikes unlocked everywhere. They um, will ride somewhere and decide, oh, look, I want to stop here for, for a fika. And they'll leave their bike just sitting outside. And, and you see that everywhere you go. I don't know if anybody else noticed that right away, but that was like the first thing I noticed. No, absolutely. And it was it was interesting looking down the street to when you're kind of thinking like it's a ghost town. This is weird. Yeah. Like Stockholm is the capital of Scandinavia and we're like, there's, there's literally here. no one here. I think it hell. also had to do with the neighborhood that we were staying in because it was even after people came back from holiday that the few blocks area that we stayed on was, was pretty quiet most of the time. Right. So we check into our flat. And decide again, like we did in London, kind of like, you know, set set up shop at home and then Go let's walk Indian around. Food. Yeah, let's walk around. <laughs> so, well, we just, that wasn't the intention originally. We just kind of were like walking around the block. But um, we realized uh, that there was Indian food right down the street. So we um, stop in to get Indian food. And it was kind of an interesting, immediate kind of humbling experience being in Yeah, Stockholm. we were, for the first time on our trip, we were someplace where there's not material printed in English everywhere. I made, I kind of made the observation throughout, and I've been telling people since I've been home, that when I was in London, I could read everything and understand all the signs and everything communication-wise publicly, but I had a t- hard time uh, understanding. understanding the locals. And in Sweden, it was the opposite, where I couldn't read anything, but I could understand because Swedes Everybody speak English. Everybody like impeccable English. Yeah, so um, that was interesting. But we get to the uh, Indian restaurant, and the it is in you know a mix of essentially Swedish and Indian, um, with a little bit of uh, English translation, and we had a tough time to say the least. Yeah, ordering. thank goodness for Google Translate. Yep, another great app that we used um, that worked well enough when we needed it to decipher some things. But again, in our family, we have a number of food sensitivities, food allergies, preferences, things like that. So we don't just sit down and order whatever. We we have to be pretty particular with uh, what we eat. So we tried to go through the menu and decide what it was, but we didn't want it to be too spicy and on accident. We can't have chicken. We can't have nuts. Uh, we can't have other certain things. One of us can't have grains. Right. So we had to kind of ask the <laughs> One waiter. One of us is a vegetarian. Had asked the waiter what exactly we were looking for. Um, and no disrespect to him, but he spoke very little English. Uh, so we kind of had to just wing it a little bit and have faith and... I'll tell you what, I was, was so good. stoked. <laughs> the food we ended up getting was some of the best Indian food I've ever had in my life. Um, it was delicious, the big portions, um, and they were very, very sweet, very accommodating, and it was awesome. So we were a little bit stressed out because we're kind of overwhelmed the first time we've had to deal with a true language barrier, but thankfully... Um, with some teamwork and some, some faith a little bit, a little bit of translation, we were able to get what we needed to get and it was a delicious meal. So I was very, very thankful for that. Yeah. And after that, it was really just kind of a slow walk home. We went to the local supermarket, which was right around the corner from our flat to kind of stock up again. It was a really, I actually enjoyed those experiences where we were kind of out of our depth and couldn't read any of the ingredients. Um, just to do some like grocery shopping so that we had food at the flat. We found some non-dairy milk 
I think Sky spent quite a bit of time looking for it. Yeah, well, I, I could tell that there was non-dairy yogurts in the dairy section. Oh, that's right. We didn't find the non-dairy. No, we didn't find the milk. Okay. Uh, and the one person I asked that worked there didn't speak English very well. So I just kind of was going for it. But because, again, we have allergies to nuts and things, I, I can't just hope for the best because I can't just accidentally get almond or cashew milk uh, because, you know, we could get sick. So I decided to bail on that, unfortunately. We did find some half-skinned milk. Half-skimmed. Half-skimmed. Half-skimmed, which is a whole um, – I'm sure it exists in other European countries, but um, is it's a very Swedish thing. There's this – kind of cultural um, attitude of lagom in in Sweden that is essentially, it it doesn't translate to English very well, but it is essentially that um, you take as much as you need in order to sustain yourself, but you don't take too much to take away from other people. And it's not just um, applied to food. It's everything in life. It's the possessions you own. It's the clothing you have, where you buy your clothing, um, how, you know, like they, they don't use plastic straws. Um, they're a very sustainable society in general, but half skimmed kind of goes along with that. And and Stockholm in general is a very uh, clean city. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there was just very little trash around. Um, every, I mean, Swedish folks are just pristine. I mean, everyone there's, uh, gorgeous. Yeah. Just, just really, it was a very sweet, welcoming atmosphere in general. So it was a nice, again, welcome into a new town. After the grocery store, uh, we got back to the flat, kind of called it a night, and got ready for a big day in day two. Yep, absolutely. Day two in Stockholm I, is quite possibly one of my favorites. I think Stockholm in general is just um, one big highlight after another for me, but uh we woke up kind of slow, probably around nine-ish. We got um, some breakfast and showers in and then took off for Gamlestan, which is Old Town, Stockholm, um, and is absolutely amazing. It's very picturesque um, and kind of adorable. Again, um, everything is old and amazing. <laughs> I think I literally said that at least 500 times on our trip. Look at how old these buildings are. Um, but that was a huge highlight for me in, in Gamlestan. Um, it's also, we, we took public transportation in Stockholm for the first time that day to get down there. Um, and I'm, I'm really in love with Swedish transportation and just Swedish culture in general at this point, I think. Um, but yeah, Gamlestan. The first thing we saw when we got there was the Royal Palace and we walked around the courtyards into Old Town and the streets are still in that traditional cobblestone feel. The alleys are very small, barely wide enough to fit a vehicle. Um, we walked Not around. that they don't fit vehicles. Oh, they squeeze in there. <laughs> I'm just saying barely wide enough to fit a vehicle. Yeah, it doesn't um, stop them. No, no, they're definitely going for it. Um, but I thought what was interesting too, I mean, we'll get to Amsterdam and I think everyone knows about the Amsterdam and bike culture there, but Stockholm as well. Absolutely. Uh, and, and London really. I think it's more of a European... Well, and it's I think it's easier to get around. It's more successfully integrated into their public transportation. And I think of the three places we went, Stockholm really highlighted that. In addition to 
their subway system and their underground and overground rail system and their buses, they also have bikes and scooters. And you use the same pass to use all of them. Um, and they're everywhere. Uh, you know, we have a little bit of that in Eugene through um, an organization that's separate from our public transportation. But it is really fascinating how well planned out their public transportation is and how utilized it is. And it's very smooth. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I didn't, I didn't, I expected, I prepared myself and I think we prepared ourselves as a family to be overwhelmed with public transportation, namely because we don't speak the language, right? And everything's in Swedish. So we don't, we can't read anything. To us, they're just a grouping of, of letters and we just have to realize that we're going to that stop, but we yeah. don't know what that means, right? Um, and can't read the signs and those kind of things and understand the language when they're telling us to get on, get off, this is where we're going, next stop, those kind of things. However, again, uh, the public transit was phenomenal. Absolutely. I mean, it just after an you know a day of like, oh God, uh, it became pretty mellow. And then I, I just don't remember feeling overwhelmed after that in public transit. Now, it was overwhelming the amount of public transportation we took because we did not rent a car the entire time we were there. We only took an Uber maybe four or five times the entire trip. To and from um, the airport. To and from and the airport. And then when you guys went to Ikea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there was not many opportunities where we were driving around or getting driven. It was more just we needed to get ourselves to the overground, the underground. Like you said, there's buses, there's trains. Uh, we took a couple boats. Um, there's all sorts of, of options. So we were all over the place and it was up to us to get us where we needed to be. So I was really thrilled um, that we were able to, again to handle that. And once again, kudos to you for being our, our uh, uh, navigator. Uh, once we get down to Old Town and we we went around um, Gamastan for a while in the Royal Palace, we got to check that out. We didn't actually uh, go in. Um, it was kind of confusing. You couldn't really tell where you go in and what was public access, but we did walk through the courtyard. Um, it, it's kind of shaped in a horseshoe. Yeah. So we can go into the courtyard, but we can't go in the building, just yeah. to be clear. Yeah. Um, and there's also um, a really old church whose name escapes me right next to it that we got to peek into. Um, and then the Hall of Parliament is right there. So we got to walk around all of that. Um, I, I really kind of appreciated seeing the Royal Guard, both in London and Stockholm, just to, um, it, it's not something I've ever experienced. Um, and there, uh, people kept trying to walk up to the guards at the Royal Palace in Stockholm, and they basically stiff-armed everybody out of the way in a very abrupt manner. So it was just really interesting to watch. Um, and and again, just like the ornamental aspects of their uniforms and the way they present themselves. They had these big, long spikes on the top of their helmets, and their rifles had bayonets on them, um, which was not something you see every day. So. After a quick run around the Royal Palace, we uh, made our way down to downtown of Old Town, I guess, and uh, we got a traditional Swedish lunch, which I had talked about in our prep episode about wanting to find uh, Ludafisk. Um, unfortunately, spoiler alert, I was not able to find it, and I come to find out later on after looking for it the entire trip in Sweden, um, it's a seasonal it's uh, a holiday dish. It's a seasonal dish, right? So we were there in the wrong time of year. They don't have it. I'll have to try it again. But we did um, find another form of <laughs> We got a traditional, traditional Swedish, Swedish lunch mm -hmm. that had like kind of a, a smorgasbord of 
offerings. It had um, some smoked herring uh, in three different ways. There was the straight up smoked herring, and then there was um, smoked herring served with sauce. And one of them was kind of like a sweet tartar sauce, and the other one was almost like a curried sauce. It was bright yellow. It tasted like curry. Um, and then in addition to that, there was some smoked salmon, some meatballs, uh, some brie, some boiled potatoes, and then um, this hard-boiled egg with boiled shrimp on top. Boiled shrimp was like a huge thing everywhere. There was shrimp on top of everything. Swedes are really big on seafood. Obviously, the ocean is right there, or the sea. The Baltic uh, Sea. The Baltic Sea. Um, so that's a big part of their traditional fare. I... Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to experience traditional fare. It was not not my favorite meal. It was tough. <laughs> we yeah. had Swedish meatballs later in our trip that I did really enjoy, but I'm not much of a seafood person to begin with. Um, and texture is a really big thing for me. So the herring was really hard to get down for me. I think that what was tough is we were eating cooked food that was not – hot does that make sense like the meatballs were cold the fish was raw which that's that was it was smoked so it wasn't entirely raw but it was but it wasn't smoked like i'm used to it wasn't like like borderline jerky smoked no it it wasn't hard it It was was like yeah it was raw um (laughs) just smoke flavored so anyway i am with you i am am thankful to to try the culture always but uh try the food the the local um options but it was tough it was definitely Definitely tough to get the herring specifically in the sauces. I'm just, I don't like the textures of those. Yeah. I'm not a mayo sour cream guy. And the egg was filled with mayonnaise with shrimp on top. And yeah. I was just like, I, yeah, that was kind of tough. <laughs> uh, while waiting for our food, um, we listened to a local musician. I had mentioned Owen Hughes that we ran into. Um, He's on the in, last podcast. In, yeah, in London. And you just heard him on the last podcast. Uh, my interview with him again, big up to Owen Hughes. Make sure you check out him, Owen, uh, uh, Owen Hughes music, um, on Instagram. But basically we, we got to see another local musician in Sweden. His name is Michael Go, uh, G O J. And he was an electric, uh, pianist and he was out in the courtyard outside of our restaurant. Um, under Kostigen was our, um, restaurant and he was outside just playing beautiful scores um some of them were covers of ancient like old time pieces and others were originals he was also taking time in between each song to explain the piece that he was about to play which i thought was great um anyway he's got great music online again michael go check him out uh goj is his last name um but that was a nice kind of like yeah just uh we got to wait and and they had seating outside seating inside so that was that was very nice um and then after lunch uh we went for a walk through the alleys of uh Gamastan, um including the most narrow street in Stockholm yeah martin trotsigsgrand which is um it's technically a street but you can literally for most of it um spread your arms out uh, to either side and touch the walls as you go down this alleyway. It's super narrow. Um, I don't know. I I know there's a story behind it. I I looked into it at one point. I don't remember what that is at this point, but it was just kind of a cool little It's just 36 inches wide. And you were saying that there's kind of an urban legend that if you could, if you can run your fingers spread out, you know. If you can touch the wall on either side of you all the way down, it's good luck. Yeah. And I tried and my wingspan is like 
not even six feet. Um, <laughs> but I tried and I actually got like 80, 85% of the way down, but eventually I was unable to, unfortunately. Yes, so I my dreams, the last four feet. Yeah. My dreams, um, you know, you'll be able to see him, but not touch him. Yeah. We'll see. Aww. Uh, anyway, after that, that was pretty cool. And actually in, inside the street slash alleyway, um, it's a tourist attraction for sure. We happened to get in there right at the right time. Oh, yeah, there was the nobody in front spot. of us. That was cool. There was a huge tourist group that came right behind us and kind of rudely bumped us out of the way, but we won't yeah. get into that. Um, after they all passed through, though, we actually went all the way up to the top and then walked all the way back down. Uh, there was a lot of cool graffiti in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- and, and that's something we'll get into when we start talking about the underground. I know you're hyped on that. Um, but the art culture in Stockholm really took me by surprise. It was really, really yeah, awesome. Yeah, they, they really embrace it quite a bit. Totally. Um, so we went through the alley, took some pictures, did our thing in the alley. After that, uh, we went right next door and we, we actually Fika. we ran into our first, uh, first round of Fika, which would not be our last. No. Um, it became a, a pretty staple part of our trip. But uh, why don't you tell everybody uh, what Fika and the, the traditional food and just kind of yeah. what Fika means to the culture? So I was really, I mean, and, and we talked about this in, in our episodes before we left that um, I'm a coffee person. Um, so I was really excited for Fika. Uh, but we went to this cafe. It's kind of, I kind of got the feeling that it might be kind of like a Starbucks of Sweden because we saw them everywhere. But it was way better. Way better. Uh, Brod <laughs> like and local. Sal. Uh, which in Swedish is bread and salt, but uh, they you get your coffee and um, in in Sweden fika is not just coffee like the, it's a noun, but it's also um, like a verb. It's an activity that you partake in with your your friends, your family, um, similar to the siesta in Latin America. Um, Fika is like a, a daily afternoon break where it's intentional time to slow down and be together. And um, it's it's a social opportunity where you are just taking the time to be present and interact instead of kind of lending to the culture of go, go, go. And there are traditional foods that go with a fika, which I was really excited to try. Sky got a cinnamon bun, which is... Um, not like a cinnamon roll that you would find no. here with frosting. It, it really is. It's like a sweet bread that's tied in a knot and it's it's um, spiced really well. It was way better than a cinnamon roll. Cinnamon rolls are like, they make your teeth hurt when you're done eating them. This was more of like... This was actual bread. This was like a flavored like croissant donut situation that was just like a little bit spicy, like actual cinnamon. Um, it was awesome. Emily and I split it. It was It was fantastic. And I got the cardamom bun, which I, I mean, I'll be super honest. That's one of the things I was most excited about in going to Stockholm. I love cardamom. I think it's super underutilized as far as spices go. And this did nothing but strengthen that belief that I have. It was amazing. And I think I had one almost every day that we were there because they're delicious. And once we got our fika. That's traditional Swedish food I could get behind. Absolutely. We just kind of strolled. It was kind of a, it was part of a, a food courtyard, for lack of a better term. Kind right? of. Kind of a, I mean, it was it was old it was town restaurants and things. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because here in the United States, I feel like when we have a place like that, it's a designated like food court area. In in Stockholm and and uh, parts of London as well, it's just kind of like it just happens. Yeah, it's just in the middle of a bunch of streets. <laughs> it's like if you've ever been to Epcot Center and they have 
like the different cafes around the world type thing. It was a lot like that, except it was authentic. And I don't really know how to explain that any different. No. It was like going to an old world Disney exhibit, except it wasn't an exhibit. It was real life. Yeah, totally. It was, it was fantastic. So we got our Fika. Um, we uh, just kind of walked through that market quickly and uh, we ended up just strolling down kind of a offshoot uh, alley to just sit. We just sat on the sidewalk and just kind of people watched while we finished our Fika down by the water. And um, then we, we headed back yeah. to to the flat, and we um, were able to catch a bus uh, with just one minute remaining before it left. And as I mentioned, they are very efficient with their um, – They're always on time. With their public transit. So it was literally like we need to get there or we're going to wait 30 minutes. So we were literally hustling, running down to get to the bus. But we caught the bus just in time, took us all the way back to the flat, no problem. Yeah, and what's cool about the public transportation in Sweden that I noticed is that um, no matter what part of town we were in – there was always a bus that went directly to Odenplan, which was the the area that we were staying in, regardless of like whether we were in Gamlestan or Södermalm or Garden. Deer's Garden. There was always a bus that seemed to go directly where we needed to go, um, and that's super awesome. Yeah, it was great. And yeah. again, the public transit was just phenomenal. Uh, we had a quick stop back at the flat, and then we went and got some dinner. Flippin burgers. Um, at Flippin' Burgers, which is funny, uh, it, just to be transparent, it's not traditional Sweden dinner at all. Not at all. It's actually uh, was created in, in kind of the Orange County, LA, San Diego area, but they had a, they had a restaurant over in uh, Stockholm, and it was actually right around the corner from our flat. So we went there, and we got delicious um, uh, burgers and fries, and I had a, a beer um, from Denmark, I believe yeah. that was wonderful. Um, and all we, their food. The cool thing about flipping burgers is that it was all ethically sourced and as local as possible. So again, super delicious. Um, as people who aren't big meat eaters, it, it was, seemed like a, a reasonable place to get meat if we were going to eat it. And the beer that I had happened to be gluten-free, which I didn't choose necessarily, but it was awesome. Um, and it was from Denmark, called uh reparations badger perfect couldn't have said it better myself don't don't take anything we say uh we know we're butchering we're doing our best <laughs> we're, we're doing not, our best but we're not saying it right we they are that. it's a different language and they're they're large words nonetheless we had a great dinner um it's a perfect uh first full day in sweden uh we settled back um after another uh trip around the block um we had a nice little hill right down mm -hmm. the street from our flat and it was actually uh an observatory um so we just kind of walked up there really quick and looked over the city and um we eventually got to bed and um got ready for a pretty incredible boat tour yeah uh, the next day yep, on absolutely. day three 